0: Today's episode is an unaired interview that Eric and I did in 2021 with Angel Ribo. Angel, known as the CEO Confidant is an influencer, LinkedIn strategist, international TV host, public speaker, CEO, consultant, board member, and philanthropist. Over the last 21 years, Angel has helped more than 1500 CEOs in 33 different countries to accelerate the growth of their businesses. And today, He's our special guest. Welcome Angel Ribo to hindsight the podcast. Hindsight is 2020, hindsight is key. to learn that you don't need no type of degree. Learn from the past, see what the present gonna be. I'm a wise man, look at these blessings on me hindsight is twenty-twenty. hindsight is key hindsight is to key. learn that you don't need no type, no type of degree learn from the past see what the present gonna be yeah. i'm a wise man look at these blessings oh, yeah. on me yeah. the hindsight podcast hosted by lee jones the one and only my homie bringing the past to the present and affecting the future for the better
1: Welcome to Hindsight, the podcast today with Lee and Eric. We have a very, very special guest, Angel Rebo, on with us today. Angel Rebo is known as the CEO Confident. He is an influencer, an international TV host, philanthropist, and a public speaker. So welcome.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for having me, Lee and Eric. It's a a pleasure to be here. And obviously, thank you, everybody who's uh, listening to us today. (laughs)
0: <laughs> thank you hey I'm, I'm just gonna jump off really quick okay you speak five languages what languages do you speak
2: okay so i speak uh when i was born it was was close to barcelona so i speak spanish then we we speak another language there which is called catalan that's that part of spain is called catalonia then uh very early on in the school the only language that we could learn at that part of the world at that time uh, was uh, French. As soon as I started to learn French in school, I, my parents signed me up for English. And then later on in my career, I started learning Portuguese. Those are the languages. And I, wow. I can understand others, but not, not speak them.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I can't understand or speak uh, most other languages. I know when I was in, in high school, I took Latin, which was very dumb as Look at a that
2: language, but I did the same thing. I did the same thing. Did you? Oh, absolutely. I forgot to include Latin. I should include Latin moving forward. It's going to be my sixth. Thank you for reminding really me. You You're go. so generous. You're, You're welcome. so generous. You're welcome. <laughs>
0: so how hard was it to learn uh, all of those languages? I mean, was it um, natural uh, or, you know, did you a great, have great question? Go
2: ahead. Great question. I uh-huh. mean, I, I still wonder, I mean, I still wonder, my mom and dad, they never spoke any other language but Spanish and Catalan. Actually, my mom does not speak Catalan. So why did they decide when I was a kid to put me through, you know, French and English and then myself? I mean, I have no idea, to be honest, but obviously I have blessed their decision forever. Um, French is close to, let's say, I would say that French is be, you know, between Catalan and Spanish, they're not the same language. They're different. They have different phonetics. Okay. And uh, so French is like, is, a, is another Roman language or Latin, Latin origin or uh, language. So that was like close, although the pronunciation, you really have to make an effort. So if you speak Spanish and you want to learn French, it's difficult. If you speak Spanish and Catalan and you want to learn French, it's much easier because of the phonetics of the Catalan language. OK, so that's the first thing. The second one is English. Uh, so they put me to learn English. Uh, and really, I mean, at that time, all the Spanish, all the movies on TV. And that was the only distraction we had at home okay. were dubbed. So everything was in Spanish. I mean, nothing was in English. The reason why I mean, and that was let me see, I think it was uh, It was fourth or fourth grade when I started to learn English. And when I was when I finished eighth eighth grade, actually, my my mom and dad decided to pay to my sister and myself a summer in the UK for us, like a summer school, English summer school. And then it was right then when it was in a great place called Scarborough in the north of uh, the UK, in in the north of England. And I that summer only one summer. I was able to go from, you know, when you have to translate every single word, you, you learn I mean, I know, some Spanish in high school and then you, you're able to say, you know, cerveza, which is beer or these kind of things. But I, I was able to go in one month from translating everything to translating nothing. So I went back to Spain uh, with 13 years old and I was already able to speak English, limited vocabulary, but I was able to speak English fast. And the uh, Portuguese was because when I moved to the UK in 2000, no, in 1998-99, uh, the company I was working with, which is a high tech company based uh, with, with whose, whose uh, European headquarters were in the south uh, wh- uh, southwest of the UK, London, I was, um, they, they asked me if I wanted to cover as a territory Portugal. And I said, why not? And then I said, okay, so I would like to learn some Portuguese. Would you pay me some lessons? And I, and they said yes. So, I started to make phone calls uh, to Portugal, and uh, and learning Portuguese at the same time. Then when I moved to Latin America later on in my career, I started to go to you know to Brazil, you know consistently, and again it's very close. It's all it's already a lo- another you know Roman language, so Latin language, and it's easy. It's easy for us to understand and a little bit easy also to to teach. And that's. That's the story. But I live, for instance, I lived in Finland for six months and I'm able to understand some Finland. I, I dated a German girl for two years and I'm able to understand German. Yeah. I have many <laughs> Italian friends, so I'm able to understand also some Italian. Wow. And that stops there. It's, <laughs> Are it's you sure? funny. I, I mean, nobody has asked me this question before. Ever. <laughs> so you made me you made me realize all my all my like ventures with with language, with languages. And I don't know, maybe in a, in a previous existence, I believe in reincarnation with all due respect to everybody, okay? Uh-huh. I, I do believe I have had some, some previous lives. And one time, uh, there's these people that actually they're able to tell you what you were in previous, in previous you know, existences. And there was a, a lady one time that she told me that I had been a Templar Knight in Europe seven uh, lifetimes ago. So and the Templars were the ones that were keeping the, you know the Catholic the Catholic faith intact. They were preserving the Catholic faith. So the, mm. the Templar Knights, if if you've never researched the Templar Knights were those uh, faith-based, hard, wholehearted defenders of the faith of the Christian slash Catholic Church in the Middle Ages. Apparently it was one of them. So if that was the case, as someone told me one time, then Maybe I was I was forced to learn a lot of languages early on in my existence in 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 in, in Europe. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds
0: like a good story. Yeah,
1: that's incredible. <laughs>
2: hey, you know,
0: uh, one thing you touched on was how the the TV and the stuff was was dubbed and in English. And I re- I recall going to Puerto Rico, and we were uh, I was actually deployed to, to Puerto Rico for a mission, but we had some downtime and we went to a movie theater and we was like, oh, I guess we're going to have to, you know, read, read the, uh, the, uh, the dub of it or read the, you know, the, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the clips. And it was in English and I didn't really think that maybe that's just how it is. And, and are they, is that common to like force the language or to help with the language to- or totally, you totally
2: still today, uh, you know, that's why there's, there's, so many people doing, you know, dubbing and making money out of it, which is good. But yeah. but yeah, but this is such a big mistake, right? Because if you want the population to learn other languages, I mean, you definitely have to provide them with a source, with a way to do it.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So
2: still today, if you go to Spain, all the, let's say all the mainstream, you know, televisions, they are all dubbing into Spanish or into Catalan or into Galician, which is another language that is spoken in, this, in another part of Spain. And so it's unfortunately a mistake. So I remember that with some friends only, I would say only 5% at most of movie theaters, they offer original soundtrack only 5% of of movie theaters. The rest, so not only TV, but also movie theaters. Everything is dubbed, everything, unfortunate, very unfortunate.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, so we, we established languages, and I'm, <laughs> and I, and I'm absolutely positive that, check box, that, check you, that you've been able, you know, your, your mastery of learning languages so easily really helps and assists you in, in uh, forwarding your career. So right now, you're the CEO confidant. Who were you before you became this, this person that you are today?
2: Um, well, it was, I, was, uh, I was someone that was traveling a lot I was, uh, you know, living already in the US, I, mo- I had moved from five years before I had moved from Latin America, where I lived for 10 years, uh, and I was consistently like traveling all over the place, you know, the US, Canada, and any country you can, you can, you know, you can think of in Latin America, I was there generating business or having business conversations or helping distribution channels or creating distribution channels. These kind of things. So I was working and I was doing that because, you know, living first in or Latin America and then, and then in, in the US. But I was doing that working for three different companies. One was uh, oil and gas originally from Spain, and the other two were high tech companies, US, US originally, US headquartered companies, <laughs> high tech companies. And I was all the time traveling. I mean, I, I I remember one year I counted the number of flights I took and I took like 200 and almost 30 flights one year. Right. Uh, I mean, spending tons of nights in hotels. Right. Uh, unfortunately, leaving my, you know, leaving my family aside, unfortunately, and you guys that you have been deployed, you, you, you really understand what that means. Uh, so um, myself, obviously, only only being probably, I would say, being one two weeks gone and then spending one or two days with the family and then go back again to any country Mm -hmm. you know and and really loving it and always spending a lot of time and and having a lot of autonomy i have to say i've been really blessed with having you know uh, supervisors like bosses that have allowed me to have a lot of creativity and create a lot of a lot of structures and systems and allowing me to do a lot of things by myself in order to help and generate business at the end of the day I was as valuable as the revenue I was able to generate for them, right? As any other company. Uh, so that's that's who I was. That's really who I was.
1: Yeah, that that's great. So you you had your mark in you know the oil and gas, some U.S. headquarters companies. When did you have that realization that you wanted to be uh, a CEO and an entrepreneur?
2: Yeah, great great question. So. I've been. I've always been. When I explained the story of the being a Templar knight seven lifetimes ago, you obviously, regardless of your beliefs, right? I mean, you always you obviously see that I am a pretty open-minded guy, right? So, uh, I, I, when I wasn't living in Latin America, and that happened um, for 10 years, I was always going, you know, because of work, you know, working with these high-tech companies, or or, or this oil and gas company. I was always going to those. Um, to deal with these CEOs, to close business with them with them. Mm-hmm. I was always talking to companies and doing consulting for them, doing providing them with with solutions, uh, different kinds of solutions. So I was always talking to the C-level executives of those corporations. Many of my clients were subsidiaries of US-based companies. Um, so I would always meet with the general managers, the C-levels, the CEOs of those companies, and at the same time, as you probably have been in Latin America yourselves, um, at the same time, it's very difficult to go to Latin America and not to see someone in poverty. Even mm-hmm. if you go to a resort in Cancun or in Puerto Vallarta or in Cabo, you will, see, you, will, you will see that there might be some kid asking you for money in a traffic light or when you park outside the place, maybe there's someone that says, I want to keep your car safe. Would you give me a few pesos? Or would you buy some bottles of water or some candies for me? You know, so I was always seeing in, in a matter of minutes when I would visit one of those plants, I would have those kids asking me to do things or, or to, to give them some money you know, for their services. And in a, few, in, in a matter of minutes, I would go inside those plants and have those conversations with these super powerful people. Right. So in 2007 and 15, it was a Saturday morning and it was March 21st in 2015. I was in that hotel in Mexico City. And I I literally have something that I cannot describe in any other way, but in in, in a spiritual epiphany. And it was very clear to me that what I had to do in my life was to help these underprivileged kids that I had seen so many times. And I had to help them become entrepreneurs using their local resources. So after that experience, I I came back home to Dallas, uh, Plano, Texas, which is north north of Dallas. And I talked to my family, I even talked to my family in Spain. I also called a friend of mine in Mexico and I told him, "Hey." This just happened to me. I think I have to, or we have to create something. Would you, would you come with me? Would you do that with me? And he said, yes, but I think that we should also bring my father to this adventure. And, and I said, of course, why not? So us three, we created Wisdom for Kids, uh, but we created that when I had already left corporate America. So I think that that was the last reason in March, 2015, why eventually I decided to leave corporate America there were there are also other business reasons why I did that. Did that, but when you have a calling, when you when you realize that everything that you have done in your life is actually going to help to do extreme good to the world, you really don't think twice about it. You just do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was really the most definite trigger for me. One year later, actually, my last day in corporate America was February 28, 2016. So that's that's kind of the story. Why. I started my own business, you know, consulting business, which, which is the name is by the way, the name of my company is divine human ventures doing business as the CEO confidant. That's how the CEO confidant came to be. So after being, having been in, 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 Europe, in Latin America, helping more than 1500 CEOs in 33 different countries. That's why, why I became who I am.
1: Yeah, that that's an incredible story. Uh, so, uh, I go down to Cartagena, Colombia, um, every year. Uh, that's where my spouse is, you know, born and raised. So, uh, I I definitely know the poverty firsthand, just seeing it um, in Latin America. So, take me back to your childhood in Barcelona, or like it. I mean seeing people in need and poverty um and really sparking this new purpose in your life it stems from something where does it come from
2: that's a great question that nobody ever has asked me and actually i was just traveling to my childhood while you were you know you were formulating the question um so when i was a kid uh i was going to a pub a private school okay so it was more common. I was I was born in a, in a town which is 350,000 people living in that town It's one hour away from Barcelona. And when I was a kid, I was more more kids were going to private schools, let's say private religious schools than public schools. And I remember that um, there was a specific neighborhood in that in that town. Um, The the name of the town, by the way, is is Lerida, L-E-R-I-D-A, similar to Merida, which is actually a a very famous uh, Mexican state and city. Um, So there was a very poor neighborhood. It's funny how I had not thought about this probably like for, I don't know, 40, 50 years, but um, and that poor, very poor neighborhood. um, It was not around the corner, but it wasn't far. And from time to time, we would see the families of that neighborhood to come to our neighborhood and, you know, go to our, you know, the building where I, I, I used to live with my family and they would knock on the door and ask for food, literally. And they would, they, they were all originally gypsies. And I have to say that, unfortunately, I think that gypsies have not, how to say this, have always lived in, a, in, in very poor, poor conditions in Spain mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And um, and I, I, I remember now that the, the, these were the only and I would see the kids. So when I would go to to, for instance, during the weekends, I, one of my best friends was a great athlete. Uh, I, I was not, but, but he was. And I, I would go to see every single you know event that he would be participating. And very often there were those kids coming, you know, those those poor gypsy kids coming to the games you know asking for mo- for for money or asking for food or something and you know i never pay attention because i was a kid you know and 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 uh, the, i mean they were not like intimidating at all but and and I, and I remember also the smell it's funny how sometimes um the memories get into your brain because of the different senses right and mm-hmm. right now i'm remembering how they their neighborhood smelled pretty differently to the other neighborhoods. And you know why? Because if you have ever been in a, on a poor neighborhood, you will know that these neighborhoods, they don't have really like the let's say the ventilation systems inside the house are non-existent. Mm-hmm. So they typically cook in a, in a kitchen, if they have kitchen and the smoke doesn't really go naturally outside. They have to wait until it goes outside. So I remember very distinctly right now the the the, the smell of the smoke of that neighborhood, literally because of the, sm- you know, of, so because of the the poor conditions inside their houses, I mean, they're, they're, I'm talking about just literally four, four like walls with a very simple like roof and, and that's it, nothing else.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I, I, it's funny how I, n- I never thought about this. And probably that's the reason why I eventually, when I was exposed to so much poverty in Latin America, I eventually, you know, was um, so sensitive about those kids and, and, and the families and the conditions that they were living at.
0: Wow, that's, that's amazing. So I was looking at your, your mission statement on Wisdom for Wisdom for Kids in uh In your mission, you know there are eighty one million kids living in poverty in Latin America right now, and your mission is to help eight hundred and ten thousand kids become entrepreneurs within the next three years so how how are you reaching your goals have you um, Have you reached that pinnacle yet? Are you still working towards it what's yeah what's no
2: just... we have not reached that goal, and it's going to take us some time you know um uh I think that it's it's important for you to to put these statements out there yeah. for yourself so that you you can keep, be kept accountable and I really mm-hmm. I really like that you read this you know maybe some other people would take it in another way but I love that you read it aloud uh, because it, I mean w- we are very far away from that and there's several reasons obviously one of the reasons is because we have to st- we had to stop everything last year because you know nobody could move and nobody could go Right now, in the places where we have been, we have been in, in, in five six different locations helping the kids and we have helped only only one thousand kids and families only maybe above, above obviously above that, but not more, no more than that and that uh, and we have not been able to see any of them again. The secret uh or the reasons why that has not happened is I would say number one, we piloted the the workshop that we delivered to the kids for a couple of years. We literally had two PhD students in Mexico working on what could be the most impactful workshop that we could put in place so that we could change consistently the lives of the kids as soon as we started to spend time with them. So that's, that's one thing. So we underestimated the ramp up period and how to make sure that our, our workshops would be really effective. Number two, obviously, I mean, um, I In order to make that happen, the secret is to have uh, an amount of volunteers. Uh, The structure, the way we are structured is like a network marketing company kind of thing, you know, so every single volunteer reports to someone else and every single volunteer is in charge of creating a network under them. And obviously we don't get any, we don't get any, any, any reward, right? I mean, nobody's being paid. Everybody's volunteers. So in order to do that, The three of us, the three co-founders, we really have to have a very professional structure in place, so that they consistently invest in creating that structure. We decided, given the resources, human resources that we have available, um, that we would put a priority in the kids as opposed to creating the structure with the volunteers. Um, Because we we realized very early on that not everybody was as excited as we were to help those kids for free. You know, so uh, again, we need hundreds of volunteers and a network. And to create that, you need the volunteers first, and then you need a fully, I mean, a big structure, making sure that you are training all those volunteers, that the volunteers are able to, de- to, to deliver those workshops and unable able also to build a network under them. And we underestimated the time that that would take to us. Also, us three, well, of the three, one is retired and the other, the other two of us, we're business people and we have you know, businesses and we are spending most of our time with our businesses. Right? Uh, and then after that, you know, uh, you know the coronavirus you know, crisis started last year And we literally stopped. I mean, last year in March, we had to stop completely every single activity, you know, but uh, to your question, are we going to achieve it? That's a different question that I would like to ask myself. I think we are. I think we are.
0: Good. Yeah, I actually applaud you for having such a lofty goal. Um, And I think it's important to put those in writing so that you continue to strive to get to that point. Now, obviously, COVID has um fractured the world a bit right it's disrupted every everything anything that was moving was really disrupted so um that's definitely understandable but i really applaud you um i recall going to uh bosnia in our Mm -hmm. unit at the time we actually sponsored that uh one of those foundations over there in bosnia that supported those kids and it it you know when you see them in those conditions iraq is the worst the worst Mm -hmm. condition that i've ever seen people live in uh when we Mm -hmm. went there and um but just to hear you see it be inspired and actually take Mm -hmm. action right i applaud you for that so and i have absolute confidence that you and your team uh, will meet that goal and probably
2: surpass it Thank you. And also, as you can imagine, I mean, this this data that I told you, this say, you know, 81 million, this is data from 2012. After after all the economic economy or the impact in the economy of what's happening right now, I wouldn't be surprised that we're very close to 90 million, if not over 90 million. Uh, wow. And of those 81 million, 22 million had no drinking water at home again. And, and you as I mean, you guys are supply experts. You know, what What does it entail when 22 million people do not have drinking water at home? What do they have to do every single day or once a week in order to have the basic supply of water with everything that we do in water in our lives, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, you know what, what that means. So, yes. yeah, uh, we definitely we definitely we know that we are creating wealth and we are creating change. and. You know, actually, the first, the first time, even, even, from, even before we go to the communities that we go to, Eric and Lee, uh, when we tell them what we wanted to do and we talk to the community leaders, you know, the first question they ask us when we explain, hey, we would like to go to your community. We would like to help your kids. We would like to help them to understand what, you know, being an entrepreneur means and start them on a journey. Right. The first question they ask is, how much is it? Of course, mm, yeah,
0: <laughs> of course, of course, Money rules
2: all, the all the time, all the time. They always ask, and we tell them, no, 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 it's for free. And they then they go, why Why would you do it for free? Well, because it's just our mission. That's what that's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. We want to do this. That's what we want to do, you know, yeah. and, and then and then we start conversations and then, you know, everybody likes it. And it's it, another funny thing, funny story that happens is that sometimes we are able to like piggyback on school buildings or with the school systems and when we are for instance i remember a story of uh, in a suburban community we were going to uh, we were going to use a specific uh, school uh, uh, elementary school when we talked to the principal the principal told us hey i'm not so that you know i'm not going to tell anybody that we're going to ca- that you're going to come here because if they know anybody in the school system or in the city know that you're going to come, they might say no, and I don't want my kids not to receive what you guys are, del- are doing and del- delivering. So th- this guy eventually spoke with his supervisor, who was the regional supervisor of schools in this area. But he, he, he told the supervisor, please make sure that nobody knows. So he w- we were allowed to go to that specific place and use that building. And another funny thing that happened in that community is that I think it was three months after us, actually, the police had a similar session right. <laughs> at <that> school Wow! <laughs> because the politician said, oh, my God, it, it's not possible that someone comes from abroad or from Mexico City. The other guys are from Mexico City and they do this and we don't do anything. We have to do something. So actually, the police went there and they explained how good they are and so much good that they do that to the community. And we actually think it's a great, it's it's a great like spin off, you know, reaction or, or, or consequence of what we did. If someone else wants to provide additional support to the community, wants to explain the kids what they can do and who they can become, I mean, I'm up for it, you know? So yeah, there's always some magic, like some ancillary non non planned magic that happens in those communities when we go there.
0: Wow. So tell us a little bit about EBC. And, and, yeah. and what's your role? What, what, what do you do as a board member?
2: Yes. Yeah, so the ABC is the Evolutionary Business Council. It's basically a group of uh, 300 plus transformational leaders. It means that we have, all of us, we are people with a lot of influence. You probably have seen that I have a lot of connections on LinkedIn. I'm very, very active on LinkedIn. I post every single day. And, uh, I have uh, on LinkedIn alone, 28,000 plus connections. I have hundreds of conversations with my connections every single week, every single week. And also I have a a large following uh, on other social media outlets. So every single one of the members of that organization, uh, we all have transformational businesses. So we transform the lives of people or the life of businesses. Okay. We all have this in common and uh, all combined. We have an outreach combined. Again, my total outreach is around 60,000 people, more or less. Our combined outreach is around 600 plus million people in the world. And our goal is to be able to impact more than 1 billion people. That's our goal. Okay. So if, if we reach that goal, it means that all of us together, when we decide to undertake some missions some big mission, we have already the outreach to really make a big difference in the planet, you know, there's this there's this concept called critical mass. I'm sure. I mean, you've been in the military. I'm sure that you are you are you are familiar with this concept that you only need a certain amount of people in a particular area or community to instill change, to generate change, to create change, right? right. Mm-hmm. So when we go over one, I think it's the, the the goal is 1.2 billion. Uh, when we when we hit that goal, then when we start Undertaking a specific actions, then that would generate a huge, you know, change in the planet. That's the, and and that's you asked me what my role is. So I, I am, you know, I am one of the uh, one of the people in in the EBC, in the Evolutionary Business Council, that has um, a stronger, n- not the largest, but the stronger, one of the strongest um, business networks uh, or business-to-business relationships as well. And also I am both part, not only of, I mean, I'm European. So I have, you know, obviously roots in Europe and I have a lot of knowledge about the European, the business in Europe and the business in the Americas and I speak Spanish and I speak different languages. So all those things make me someone that I can really immediately try to have or use my influence positively to positively impact the world, if that makes sense. Yes, sir, absolutely.
1: Yeah, that makes total sense. I'm glad
0: you put that at the end, though, because I was going to say you're influencing things positively, right? So you threw it in there, and I appreciate.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> it can go both
0: ways. Yeah, because you know,
2: I also believe in that concept of karma. You know, when you do things, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, definitely. You know, when I, I don't know. I mean, again, I, I think that life's too short to be with the wrong people. Yes, and 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 to be doing the wrong things. So you know, just just have a good life and try to be, try to be your best. And if things work out great, if things don't work out again, life's too short. And whatever, you know, whatever is around you, trying to make the world a better place. And and that's what I'm trying to do every single day with my clients and the people I help is making sure that they also make a, the world a better place.
1: Yeah, that, that's truly remarkable. So um, Simon Sinek has the quote out there the role of a leader is not to come up with all of the great ideas. The role of a leader is to create an environment in which great ideas can happen. So you work with several CEOs. uh, So when you go in uh, to a new company to give them advice on how to grow their business, uh, based on that, just based on the environment, how are you switching their their logic or changing their logic?
2: Yeah, it's a... Obviously, number one. I mean, there's this uh, this thought or this thinking that you know CEOs are are like superhumans, right? Or superheroes. At the end of the day, they're the same as you and 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 I, right? So they are human beings, the same as you and I. So they're very busy people, and they they're trying to do the best with all the cards they were given, and they are reporting to a board, right? And they they have to make sure, or they try to make sure that you know, everything that they tell the, the, their leadership teams, which is the C-suite, right, mm-hmm. uh, allows them, the the C-suite to really get everything that has to be done in the corporation is being done, right? So their job is not easy. So the first thing is, I think it's establishing, establishing a good relationship. I have to say that um, I, I look always, I, I don't pick my clients depending on what industry they are. I always pick my clients taking three excuse me, three different criteria in consideration. Number one, that they are people that really want to change themselves. Number two, that they are people that want to leave a legacy. And number three, they are people that they're leaders that uh, want to make the world a better place. Okay. So that's, that's the people I talk to. If you go online, you will see that my posts, I have a few business posts, obviously, because I, I I want to talk about my business, but most of my posts are really very human very mm-hmm. human oriented about what's what's happening this week what's happening tomorrow what what day is it is it tomorrow who do we have to acknowledge who do we have to praise who do we have to support these kind of things so when people listen to me and come to me, they already know what I'm what I stand up for so I have already done this groundwork, so they already know that I'm going to be having Tough conversations with them about how to change, how to change mm-hmm. their business, and how to change their lives. Right. So they they already know that they already know that that's going to happen. In order to reach that point, obviously you have to start. And typically, I always we always start with the business conversation. I typically help them take their business global, or develop a distribution channel, or or, or try to get appointments for a specific accounts in a specific country. This kind of things. So that's what I do. It's basically business development and marketing. It's what, what I right. call exposure, ex- expansion and exposure. That's what I call. So we first have a conversation about why does it make sense to grow? How are we going to do it? What is my suggestion about how to grow their business? How are we going to do it? Uh, and then if it makes sense, we are a good fit, then we start working on that part of the business. I eventually become their trusted advisor or their confidant. That's why I use that term when I started my own business, the CEO confidant. Only when we have already developed a good relationship, a business relationship. And there's already been results of my work Mm -hmm. with what we have done before. And then when we have developed, when we have already set that ground, things are much easier. Then they would listen to me. Then they would consider other things. And the fact also that I am a very open-minded, that I have been in so many countries and have been in touch with so many cultures. And you were explaining it very well. You know, you probably, I mean, I was in Europe and I've never visited Bosnia. But Bosnia, as you know, was the stronghold of the, I mean, it was the center of the world for many years. And you've seen things in Europe and in Bosnia that I've never seen, right? And that makes you stronger. And that has given you uh, an idea of the world, an idea of things happening in Bosnia, which was a, oh my God, it was the mixture of so many cultures, so many things, so many, right? So many conflicts going on, so many yeah. religions, right? I mean, it was complex, right? Absolutely. And you were there, right? <laughs> So it's, it's this mix of uh, uh, beliefs and, and religions and thoughts and cultures that make me, in this case, someone that has been obliged to understand and to adapt to so many things. And it's coming from my heart, it's coming from my humility, it's coming from my acceptance that I am able to have those tough conversations with the business leaders
1: yeah that that's really remarkable. I think uh, leading comes from a sense of vulnerability and and uh, and putting that human aspect on it, right? We're all human beings, just like you said. so yeah. our our podcast, you know our listeners are you know typically transitioning uh, within their careers. So they are either you know getting out of the military, going into the civilian capacity. Mm -hmm. or just wanting to you know really venture into a new career path so what advice do you have for for our listeners that are getting ready to start that new chapter
2: yes it's 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 very clear to me it's like you are if you're listening to me now i'm going to talk to you directly okay so you are infinitely powerful what you have lived in your life is unique nobody else Nobody else in the world, nobody else in this 7.6 billion people in the planet, nobody has had your experience, nobody. And that puts you on a perfect place to serve people in a completely different way to anybody else. You, with your life, with everything, with all your experiences, with everything that you have done, and with this power that you have been treasuring inside of you, you really are able to keep on serving people and providing value to society. I would suggest you and I'm going to use my favorite business mantra, which is taking perfect action now. Don't overthink it. The most important thing is that you start doing something that you really feel useful and you really feel that you're adding value and you you feel happy and you see happiness around you and then start doing it. Don't overthink it. Okay, Don't overthink it. Don't try to find the perfect job, the perfect transition, the perfect uh, venture. No, whatever you think it feels right whatever you think it feels right, that it's like uplifting your energy and empowering you yourself and your awareness, just do it, just take it. And you will always have time to course correct. You will always have time to go somewhere else. And when you start your journey, have your eyes and your ears really open. So when new opportunities are going to be presented to you, you have the option and the choice to pick one of them. And that's what what, that's what's supposed to be with our lives. You know, we are just too hard on ourselves, all of us. There's nothing, there's not such thing as perfection. That doesn't exist. Consistently taking perfect action, using this incredible, unstoppable, divine part of yourself that's going to take you where you need to be. That's my main piece of advice, Eric and Lee.
0: Wow. I think that was by far the most impactful bit of advice. Maybe it was how you said it. Maybe it was the words you chose, but the most impactful bit of advice that I've heard to date. So I appreciate, wow. uh, appreciate those words of wisdom, Angel. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, that takes me <laughs> back.
1: So, um, so Lee and I, you know, we both transitioned out of the Army, and we were going through a transition right at the same time. And <clears throat> not really knowing you know, how we wanted to capitalize on our career or what the next steps were. I right. wish I would have heard that you know, four or five years ago absolutely
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you're always you know you, you you always have time to do this oh and yes and, you know mm-hmm. i mean you you can always course correct but again you know it's like if you realize if you if you think about this that, that's, that's a great you know there's again I, i'm not I'm someone that always likes to build bridges, right? And, you know, the importance of building bridges <laughs> from the engineering standpoint and from a supply chain standpoint, yeah, right? Absolutely. So I'm someone that always builds bridges. But if you realize we have we are always pulled in so many directions. There are so many reasons to be distracted and the world, you know, it looks like the world is, is grabbing us in so many directions that is, pre- is preventing us from being focused. It's crazy. There's this movie called The Social Dilemma. <laughs> that only analyzes, I don't know if you've watched the movie. It, it analyzes only what what social media is really doing. It's a great mm-hmm. movie because it's, it's done by former. It's actually you will see, you will hear it's more a documentary. You will hear the testimony, the testimonial of many different previous C level executives from those large social media companies. And they tell it very well. We were experts, experts in bringing your attention and your mind where we want it. So and and I'm saying this because I'm sure because I transitioned from corporate America. So I was so fearful, Eric and Lee, I was so fearful. I didn't know what to do with my life. I wish someone had advised me, (laughs) had told me this five years ago, exactly five years ago. I wish someone had done that. And I just learned it. I had to learn it. And it's funny how throughout my business career in corporate, I had taught many entrepreneurs, but still, my perspective was different because I was helping a lot of entrepreneurs and I had great success stories, but still I had not been I had not been. And one of the first things, for instance, I was extremely, extremely pressed and stressed about, for instance, keeping my savings. Mm. The, the, you know, the small yeah. amount of money I had, my 401k, everything I wanted to keep. And then, you know, the stress. That just having that thought that you're spending some savings to keep your family afloat while your you know your business picks up Absolutely. just that thing is like you know when you when, when you're going when you when you're on a, on a bike and maybe you're carrying someone behind you on, on the same bike and and he's trying to you know make some joke on you and he's trying to he puts his his you know his feet on the on the on the back on the bike wheel back tire you know and breaking the, the the bicycle at the same time that you're trying mm. to you know to 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 spin the wheels and everything it's the exact same thing if you realize in our life there's so many things that are preventing us from being in that place of greatness that we innately have that we innately were born for it's crazy it's crazy (laughs) it's it's crazy i mean right now you go home or when when you i don't know if you're home wherever you are and you drive somewhere tomorrow just to start counting not your blessings but count the things that distracting you and then not adding value to your life. Really, it's crazy how you, we put ourselves. We set ourselves for failure all the time. It's crazy. Do you realize this? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, we are
1: consumers. Hey,
0: You got my ears wide open. It's hard to t- <laughs> ask the question. This is amazing hey yeah but but i do have i do have one thing and and what i'm Go what ahead. i'm seeing and putting together here with with your work and the things that you've accomplished so far um you you definitely are about building bridges you know being an influencer for good uh, linkedin strategist obviously mm-hmm. helping you to build more bridges what what was your international uh television show that you hosted about And how did you use that to influence or promote? Uh, What message were you promoting?
2: Great question. So again, it's it's like one of these crazy coincidences that if you planned it, it would never happen. So it's three years ago now. It's 2018, beginning of 2018, I think it was. So one TV network, 1.7 million subscribers on YouTube, online TV network from Spain, they came to me, the owners the owners were, I had known the owners by a series of events in, in Mexico, and they came to Los Angeles and they said, hey, Angel, could you join us in Los Angeles? We would like to discuss a business matter with you. I said, okay, and I went there, and it was a conference in Los Angeles about, uh, it's called Conscious Life Expo, okay? okay? And they are, this TV network is basically, it's, a TV outlet, it's, it's an outlet that they, they basically give voice to the people that don't have a voice and they they interviewed they had 15,000 interviews and in the subjects of spirituality, you know, religion, um mystery, uh, healing, alternative medicine, all these kind of things, right? And mainly mainly again unheard voices. And they come and said, "Okay, so we would like you to help us penetrate the market of the, in the US. We would like to help us, we like you to help us to 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 gain exposure and, and expand in the US. and I said, okay, wonderful, let's do it. We, we discussed those conditions and then they said, okay, we just had already discussed the conditions and they go, okay, but you know, we are here in LA and we are, we are already invited several uh, English speakers, but we don't speak any word of English, any of us. We have all the equipment here, all the production is ready. We just need someone to conduct those interviews. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me, I'm getting excited here. <laughs> so, they made me sit down as a host. February 2018. How, do you know how many interviews ever I had conducted myself?
0: Zero. Zero.
2: <laughs> Zero. Nothing. Zero. I still remember the first person I interviewed Stephen Halpern, the first developer of spiritual music in the country here in the US. And I had no idea about him. I said, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like, start a conversation as if we were friends having a coffee and, you know, and, and I'm going to ask him questions out of curiosity. I'm a very curious guy, right? So that was my first. And guess what? They had four interviews lined up for me that day. Wow. <laughs> and it was a week. You know how many interviews we did in that week? 42, 43. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And one day, and I have to share with you an anecdote. Do you guys do you guys like a series, a movie series called Fast and Furious? Does it ring a bell? Yes, yes. <laughs> of course. Right, of, of course. course. OK, so I think it was the third day in the middle of the day. They suddenly said, oh, Angel, we have someone. It's a little bit special, but, you know, she's going to be sit down, sitting down here. You interview that person and you can do it in English and Spanish right now. I don't remember if it was in English and Spanish. I think it was in Spanish that they did it. but." You know, you just have a conversation with her. You know who she was? Who? Cool. Michelle Rodriguez. You know who Michelle Rodriguez Absolutely. is? Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK.
2: So this gentleman that you're talking to today, uh-huh. I interviewed Michelle Rodriguez and I had no idea who she was.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no idea, no idea. And she was there. She was really she was probably the of, of the 42, forty three interviews that that week. I was probably the one that was wearing the fanciest clothes, but still, you would never say she was a, like a super celebrity, superstar. And she was there very humbly and learning about the spirituality. Right. Wow. And I, 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 I mean, I, I obviously, I still have, I think, I think we still have access to the, to the, to the conversation. There must be the video, must be somewhere. But you know, I just started asking her questions about her spirituality and her journey and everything, and it was a great conversation. That's amazing. Fast forward, I ended up doing 350, 360 interviews for that network that they were watched literally not only in the us and canada and all over the world and in spain and in latin america all over the place all over the place and guess what i liked it so much and i realized the power of a conversation right <laughs> and obviously you are experts on that <laughs> right I realized the power of the conversation. I realized how much I like video. This is only audio, but I I realized that. And since then, I kept on randomly, randomly kept on doing interviews. To date, I have conducted almost 700 interviews. Wow. And today, one of the services actually I provide to my CEO clients is I interview them. I have in my team, I have video editors, I have designers, graphic designers, I have copywriters, everything. We actually put in place a very nice interview and we share it. I share it to my social media outreach and to my executives on my LinkedIn profile so that they are aware of what my clients are doing and how they are providing value to them. Wow. That's so it's, amazing. So exactly. Yeah. So. This, so again, this owner that I had met in Mexico, suddenly they come to the U.S. and they tell me, hey, we would like you to, to hire your services. And, and then they asked me to sit down. And I said, why not? Why not? <laughs> and I sit down and fast forward almost, wow. again, 700 interviews. It, it, again, that's why, that's why I said, you guys, everybody listening to us today, you don't know, you have no idea of what your talents and gifts that you already have and your experience, where they are going to take you. You have no idea, guys, no idea. That's why when sometimes people ask me if you could talk to the little angel, the angel Reba when he was a a child or a youngster, you know, or or a teenager, what would you recommend him? I always say the same thing. That's one of the few questions I always ask. I always answer the same way, (laughs) which is (laughs) I would advise him to take more risks,
0: Mm.
2: more risks, more possibilities. Open to more options, to more choices, instead of of out of fear, out of discomfort, say no, 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 no. Say yes. Obviously, obviously healthy and legal, right? Healthy, right, and legal, right, all right. the time. But but say yes to risk. Risk is a, is a is a is is risk has a connotation which is negative, but it's all positive. Doing something out of discomfort, discomfort. It's a, it's a discomfort that comes from the comfort that we have artificially built around us mm. and you guys that have been in the military yeah. you understand comfort and discomfort very well <laughs> yep.
1: oh yeah wow
2: very well so that's why I, I i i believe that we all have this incredible super potential inside of us we're infinitely powerful and we have to use this potential to do good in the world hey
0: angel this has been uh, such an inspiring uh, conversation and I want to give you an opportunity to basically, since I know you have interview skills, right? To sit in our shoes. And if you, if you were us, what would you ask yourself right now? <laughs> oh
2: my God, that's, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> Come on, give me a break. Um, what? <laughs> um, no, 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 just kidding, just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, what question would I ask myself? Um, well maybe maybe the question that has nobody has ever asked I mean, even myself what, what what should be the what should be the risks that you should be taking right now nobody has asked me that what should be the risks that I should be taking right now so <laughs> do I have to answer the question absolutely yes. no 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 <laughs> oh my god so um probably Mm. regardless of the, yeah, one, one, which is very clear to me is regardless of the, you know, the transportation challenges and the, you know, the restrictions in traveling, Mm -hmm. just, just go to Latin America massively, like even if I have to drive literally, because as you know, the restrictions when you drive are different, it's funny, but if you go to Mexico by plane, there's a certain certain restrictions in place. But if you go, if you drive to Mexico, the restrictions are completely different. It's so funny. Um, So just be more bold and more risky. And probably one of them would be go back to those communities and be completely, completely focused on retraining, uh, rethinking about how our our expansion is going to work how our expansion is gonna is gonna it's gonna, gonna be structured in the future so that knowing that it's more difficult to reach specific communities right now, even though knowing that, how can we still be successful and how can we overcome the objection of potential future volunteers saying we don't want to do this because we don't want to risk our health, which is a genuine, you know, a genuine objection right now. How can we overcome that consistently? That would definitely be the the boldest risk I should be taking right now.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. And Angel, before before we wrap up, um, I want to get really kind of personal. So you you've defined what your purpose is. Uh, You know what your legacy is going to be. And and as you continue to embark on your legacy, um, if I were uh, to ask your wife, uh, so you have a family, how would they measure your success?
2: Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> um, it depends on who in the family, probably. Um, I, I have to say that I, I am a very uncommon dad. So in the sense that, for instance, uh, my 12 year old, his, his table is in my office next to me. And he listens to all my podcast interviews. He listens to all my business calls. He listens to everything that I do. One of my kids. The other one is, is a girl and she has a different way of seeing life, which is OK. Mm-hmm. Um, so and my wife is, has a full time job as well. Uh, so but she's, she's working for someone else. and She's not an entrepreneur like me. So probably they would define success. Probably my wife, economically speaking, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter, I'm not sure if she would be if she's eleven. i don't I'm not sure if she would be able to do that. Maybe she would answer something like how many how many more years of cheer would you pay me? you know because she, she she loves cheer and she practices cheer and she's good at it and and how many vacations you would be able to take me to in the next five years, right? <laughs> my twelve year old would say, probably how many business people you are able to help and or, or, or how many kids in Latin America you would be able to help. When he was ten years old or nine years old he actually came with Latin America. My twelve year old today, he came with me. So he really understands that and he was I mean he was crying like a baby when he got to the places where we go. And you probably understand that, right? I mean our kids, mm-hmm. our children, unfortunately, I don't know if you guys have kids but yeah. If we took our kids to those places, you know you know that those kids wouldn't be comfortable and they would be fearful immediately yeah you absolutely. you know that um and he has a big heart and then my other kid who's a twenty year old and he he, he lives lives with his girlfriend and he already has a kid and he would say, "If you are there for me when you know when I need it that's it because oh, yeah. he's a he's a very independent kind of you know he he sees the world differently you know he chose he chose to work as opposed to going to college and you know he has he sees the world in a different in a different way and I I totally respect that because I think that our our role as parents is to make sure that we support our kids when they need it but not not to control them Mm -hmm. and I think that he would say that you know whenever I need you that I would like you to be there to to love me and to support me whenever it's needed. Did i answer your
1: question yeah you did that, that's <laughs> truly remarkable yeah, i think uh you know family is is definitely everything and they're on the journey with you whatever it is yeah yeah uh, and they should be a part of it right and, absolutely and, and sitting yeah. right next next to you during that during that journey <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but so angel you are the ceo confident you are an influencer international tv host but um, I think overall today we got to see the, the human aspect in you in um, knowing that uh, humans can do great things, uh, live their lives with purpose and, and set forth that legacy. So it's, it's really been an honor talking to you today. Uh, you're motivational, inspiring. Um, so if our listeners want to reach out to you, how can, uh, how can they find you?
2: Thank you. Thank you. It's easy, it's easy to find me online, but I'm going to share my direct email address. Which is uh, Angel, like my name A N G E L at angelrebo.com. Rebo is my last name. It's four letters R I B as in boy O. So if you send me an email to angel at angelrebo.com, that's the easiest way to reach out to me. And if you want to know, you know what I stand uh, for, it's very easy. Go to LinkedIn, go to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Every single day, and you will see you will see my my posts, our posts. And you will see by yourself, you know, how I really like to connect with people from a very, coming from a very, very human, human position and human place.
1: That's incredible. That is incredible. And <clears throat> Lee. Yes, sir. Hey. You want to close you. out? <laughs> hey,
0: I just want to say it's been a pleasure, Angel. It's it's really been a pleasure. This was. Um, uh, I was, I was anticipating or expecting a good conversation and, and got a great one. So thank you for sharing your, your life's journey to this point. Uh, Eric and I, we wish you, uh, continued, continued success and, in, in continued, uh, I guess, success in trying to change the world is definitely a need of some shifting <laughs> at this yeah. point. Yeah, and totally. <laughs> um, and we'll. I, I know I will. We we just reached out and, and connected on LinkedIn, so I'll be following uh, your journey alongside uh, and be a part of your 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 uh, virtual family. So thank you again for coming on the thank show, you. for talking to us, and for giving us some uh, excellent
2: insight. Absolutely, thank you. The, the, the pleasure and the honor is mine. Thank you very much, and thank you again to the people that has been listening to us today. All right, thank you. Thank you. bye Bye.
0: Hindsight is 2020, hindsight is key To learn that you don't need no type of degree Learn from the past, see what the present gonna be I'm a wise man, look at these blessings on me Hindsight is 2020, hindsight is key To learn that you don't need no type of degree Learn from the past, see what the present gonna be I'm a wise man, look at these blessings on me Thanks for listening to Hindsight, the podcast. I hope you're getting something from this episode. Drop me a note and let me know where you're listening from. Or if you have ideas for a new segment, email me at hindsight.thepodcast at gmail.com. That's hindsight.thepodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to leave me a like. I can't wait to hear from you.